right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to another episode of the Dirtbag Dugout podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tony Rivers. With me, as always, Nate Weeks. Happy New Year. Uh, episode 30, officially in 2023. Um, I know we have a lot to talk about, but how are you feeling about this year in particular before we get before we get started? Opportunistic. We're banning a shift, which is something that is aggravated me since it got in like since it got into baseball mm-hmm. uh, we'll see how the pitch clock if it actually affects things but uh this should be a really good season you know go cubs yeah you guys have picked up a good couple of pieces uh i feel like the central a lot of uh at least as far as the twitter side have actually been putting the Cubs at maybe a, a solid second place over the Brewers finish. You know, obviously the Cardinals will probably still take it, but the fact that they could even sneak in a wild card, even if it's a, a long shot, the fact that that's, that that's, you know, reachable in some perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's got to look good for you. And I mean, it's maybe a way too early projection, but just after how we finished 2022. Yeah. You'll take would- it. Yeah, I wouldn't have definitively projected that we're going to be the runner-up in the division. Yeah, absolutely. Except that captain Milwaukee. He'll take it. Uh, absolutely. I can, yeah. Especially on my end. Ugh. Especially for Dodgers, Dodgers land over here. Bro. I know we had Miguel Rojas, Rojas I should say, uh, previously, but the fact that you go from Seager to Trey Turner to Rojas like I'm not saying he's a bad player but it's not and they definitely shed a lot of fat I know obviously the 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 rumor mill is basically saying they're going to try to make a splash for Otani on the flip side ownership has obviously said they're not going to let go of him but I mean you kind of need to put your money where your mouth is on top of well if he doesn't want to stay he's not going to extend at the same time so that's what I'm seeing the rumblings of at least on that side of town that it's probably going to be a down year uh probably could squeak out at least 90 wins but on this year in particular i'm not expecting 100 100 wins definitely not 110 or you know anything above 105 so a 90 win 95 win i'll be more than happy with it's gonna be a tougher division though in particular um since you were talking about real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of this actual pod i did have now this is off of codify baseball but they did this according to fan graphs most projected 2023 wins. We have the Braves in first, Yankees second, Rays in third, uh, followed by the Padres, Astros, Mets, Blue Jays, Cardinals, Mariners, then Dodgers at 10th, Phillies, Guardians, Brewers, Rangers, and then the Giants at 15th. So obviously for teams like the Rangers and the Giants, a lot better. Phillies and the Guardians still, you know, at least roughly top 10. Oh, I mean, they're 11th and 12, but roughly top 10. Mariners. Blue Jays, Mets, Padres in particular, even the Rays, the Rays being number three. A lot of these teams, you know, top 10 and above, there's a lot to look forward to as far as, um, I guess my answer to that for for my initial question to you would probably be just the, the mix up, especially with free agency, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of teams retooling. Uh, I think the landscape of MLB this year is going to be telling for the next, we'll say two to three years. We'll just keep it short term. At least the short term uh, face of baseball is going to look very different aside from obviously rule changes and stuff, but the actual team makeup 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I know we said Astros for sure favorite, but there are a lot of contenders as well for the American League. And I think, again, the National League, there are a few favorites, but I think it is still a mixed bag and it is more up for grabs than like you like you could say to the Astros for American League or Yankees or whoever. So that's what I'm looking forward to, the, the mix up. I think what that top 10 reflects is the competitiveness. Like those aren't, that's not a, a traditional top 10. That, no. uh, you, know, you, you know, it's not. Uh, it's, I like the way you phrased it and the fact that the baseball landscape is going to look very unique over the next two to three years in the fact that teams like the Mets who, you know, are not title contenders are primed to be in the World Series. Uh, the Yankees, of course, um, can compete, but then you've got Houston who's trying to maintain a uh, dynastic lineage. Mm. It's, they're, they're, you know, Houston used to be the basement-dwelling fuckshits of the Central. Like, look how far they've come. So what the top to you know, it's going to look very competitive. Mm. It's a it's a hodgepodge of teams that aren't storied in you know the like the base they're not steeped in baseball lore but it's they've all made postseason appearances they've all uh, recently and it's going to be very you know I can't get away from the word competitive enough in the fact that so many uh, divisions have the opportunity to cannibalize each other fighting. Mm-hmm. The second, third, you know, because the first we know is locked up some places, but fighting for wild card teams are, you know, there's going to be so much competition. And that's really exciting. I think so. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to be first. I mean, especially when it comes to October, just get your foot in the door. And much like how we've been saying the last handful of podcasts, just get your foot in the door. October baseball is a whole different beast. So it's, it's mainly about obviously, uh, especially when kind of considering we were talking about the Mets and their division, you want to start off strong, obviously. You don't want a lollygag, but at the same time, once you get your foot in the door, you know, the sky's the limit. So I think that's a quick segue as well into our next point of news. (sighs) Mets losing out on Carlos Correa as well. Well, I don't want to really say losing out, but denying denying i don't want to say denying the contract because that's not the right word but basically um denying negotiations from being official and we have carlos correa obviously signing with the twins for six years and i believe it was about 200 million so obviously losing about half the amount of years roughly about half the amount of money you know he was looking at 13 350 and this that the other um now I want to say, as part of the Mets, as part of the Mets offer, I did see this tweet as well. He would have had to have gone an annual physical, which would have guaranteed the following year if he passed. So, I guess it says six six years, one fifty seven and a half was conditional on him passing every annual physical. So, what does that say? Even with the Giants, who probably could have needed him a lot more, being the first team to. I mean, that kind of changes up the whole storyline where we were saying, you know, they're probably still on suicide watch just from losing on, on Arson Judge. But the fact that the front office as as 
I don't want to say desperate in that way, but they could have used a big name like that. And they're just like, nah, we're, we're fine. How big is this for, for them or for him, I guess I should say? For Correa, it's a massive warning. This is not where you want your free agent negotiations to go. This is not where you want them to be hung up on the medical, on the physical. All right, and look, they're looking at his ankle from an injury two or three seasons ago that if the Giants are saying that's a liability, the Giants who need all of any help they could get in the offseason. Might I interject? Even if they could flip him, even, hey, we'll do two years, even if we'll still have you on the hook money, we can flip it around just just to put a, a good, solid body in the lineup for aesthetic purposes, even. Yeah, the rejection only got compounded by the Mets saying, we verified the the Giants' findings. We know there's a problem with his ankle. It could get tweaked. He's going to end up on the DL, and then he's going to end up on the injured reserve list. Mm -hmm. For however long, especially when they're going to need him. The Giants more so, so I could also see the flip side, playing devil's advocate. They obviously didn't see the benefit outweighing the potential harm you know the debil the the, uh, the debilitating amount of time of him being off and you know not not being an everyday player um obviously the Mets more so they could probably afford a little more you know a little more of a robust lineup but still the fact that all that money on the table and you're not getting the full amount even with how we've been breaking this down the for even if you say straight down the middle first half of that contract at least seven years you want to get the most out of those seven years if it's the back end of the seven years and he's injured, this, that, the other, fine, whatever. We at least got the the good first chunk. But the fact that it's kind of flipped and you have the most concerns right up front, the first part of that contract, yeah, I don't blame him at all. I don't blame him one single bit. So what kind of risk do the twins take on here? You, I mean, mind, you know, it is only January 12th. Carlos Correa could go through with another, you know, like the shit, the circus could go off. Well, he was already there too. So I think they're already aware as well. I mean, I think it's in, it's basically a long winded re-signing, you know, they, they went through the, like you said, the circus act of shopping him out and obviously losing out on the money. So at, at least as far as the twins are concerned, like trying to put on their, their hat real quick, they already kind of know, what they signed up for they obviously already knew what they let go if they were willing to sign them immediately and i think if anything it let their gamble kind of paid off for them instead of throwing mets kind of money just to sign one player they get him right back on the cheap and you're basically in the same i mean albeit a couple of additions as well for their roster but they're basically in the same exact position that they were you know october one so if we're uh... If we're going to give this a grade, the Twins just got an A on getting Carlos Correa on six years two. You know, that's fantastic for the Twins. Well done. Absolutely. You know that they, or at least Correa was saying, you know, as far as the Louis Vuitton comment or whatever it was, you know, my product, if they want me, they'll come and get me. So you knew he was expecting, obviously, the Mets and Giants type of offers, at least a decade, at least 300 million. So the fact that they got, 
low, low, you know, in quote marks, low end uh, for years. And I mean, it's 200 million is still a good amount, but the fact that it's not 300, you know, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, that gamble definitely paid off. But again, that leads me back to my, that first point was they already kind of knew what they were dealing with letting him go. So I guess they, they just figured, Hey, you know, at worst, he doesn't come back and we're out of that or at best we can probably get him back for cheaper. And obviously that worked out for them. So definitely an A for them for, for hustling that back in, into place. That's exactly what they did. They hustled Carlos Correa right back into their uniform. Mm-hmm. Terrible. So, uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty much my, my thoughts on that. I don't, I don't have much else. It's, it's going to be interesting though. Even with like, I'll just kind of go in real quick. Even with the central, you got to figure for a, at least American league, probably looking at the white Sox to kind of bounce back as well. Obviously you still have the guardians. So um, with the twins having that, that addition or that re-signing come back into place, I think it's, it's right back to the original point we were saying about the overall face of MLB is you're going to see a lot more competitive, for that second and third place spot, you know, at least minimum wild card. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that that specific uh, division in, in in general. I know we're talking about the National League East, but even the AL Central, I'm looking forward to that and NL Central for your Cubbies. You know, the Central often gets uh, a little overlooked because it cannibalizes itself. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. You know. Play ball. Yeah, it'll be good for us though. I'll take it. Hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mid August when every every game starts, you know, basically like two games worth, you know. I'll take it. I'll take it absolutely. Um so yeah, okay then. So heading into 2023, obviously the biggest thing as well is the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame voting currently underway. Um I don't there's a lot how do I want to put this? There's a lot that I would say first year ballot wise might get some scrutiny because there's a lot of names that may not pop out as far as first year, you know, quote, first year worthy, but a lot of good names in general. Uh, I had a hard time, not too hard of the time, but I had a hard time just trying to balance that. Like there are names that I do want to see in, in the hall. But as far as, you know, I also had that other, you know, the angel devil on the shoulder. I also had the other voice like, well, are they first first rounders? Like, they're definitely Hall of Fame, but are they first rounders? Like, so that was the only uh, uh, hesitation, I guess. The only kind of uh, just uh, maybe I should wait on this year for the vote. Maybe not, you know, just that debate kind of internal debate going back and forth. But a lot of good names in general. Uh, like I said, my only apprehension about that was just whether or not they were first year worthy. But um, okay, how about how about we just go with that then? Uh, how about you give me your list? I'll go with mine, and I do have Tyler's as well. So, um, and obviously, you guys, if you guys are watching, we'll we'll post it up. Uh, I do want to mention as well, we do have a Substack that I'm trying to get up and running, so I'll be putting that on as well uh, for the Substack as well as obviously our Twitter and our Instagram. So every platform that you can probably think will have it on there. Um, probably put it on the Facebook page somewhere or you know how stuff is linked. So uh, you guys can definitely see our individual votes and stuff and kind of where where we're at. But uh, yeah, like I said, if you want to lead off, man. 
Yeah, all right, so I'll go with my 10. So uh, I guess anytime, you know, if you, if I get, if I were to be on the committee to cast a vote, the consideration, I guess, is does this guy's career longevity and accomplishment put him into the hall? And do I, you know, mm. do I want to see him in? Do I want to see his contributions to baseball in? Um, Jose Abreu, that would be my first cast. Um, Bobby? Bobby Abreu? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I see you. And then, yeah, so definitely Bobby Abreu. Um, and then... Todd Helton has to get a vote, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, just like Carlos Beltran. Really, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see that on what you sent me. Uh, uh, I got Beltran at three. I conflicting for pot for obviously. I would like to say obvious reasons, but at the same time, uh, please elaborate. I mean, it doesn't have to be super intricate on your thought process uh, no i mean uh, it's just bad on ball um uh, look i understand the ped stuff um mm -hmm. we we can't be afraid of putting them in uh it, just because you know and eventually the hall of fame has to relent and let pete rose in like yeah that just eventually has to happen i'm i'm sorry bad to ball like, yeah, baseball. Pete Rose played the damn game, brother. Yeah, bro. Hell, played the hell out of the game too. Like, let's let's not get it twisted here. You know, let's not get it twisted. Uh, I think, yeah, I think even though, and I'll let you finish, but I I do need to, because I figured that was going to be a point of contention at least, just necessary for us to explain uh i think i'm still hung up on obviously well i don't want to necessarily say pd is too much like that was like say five percent of my total hundred percent you know of the reason why i abstained from voting for him but mainly i think it's just the tie the tie to the cheating scandal with the Astros. but at the same time that's also not as a player that's all obviously management so I get that some people would obviously lean towards that argument. Well, he, you know, you're voting for him as a player. Um, so I won't say that he doesn't necessarily deserve to be in at all. I'm just, I think at least this specific year, even though it's, this is not his, I don't think it's his first year. Is this his first year? Oh. Yes, it is his first year. I think that's the only reason why I'm holding off at least this year. In uh, subsequent years, uh, much like some some of these other names, I'll probably throw in throw in my hat and yes, I, I would agree that that did leave me with a little salty saltiness in my mouth, uh, especially considering, like you said, just the type of player that he was. Uh, and I was actually happy happy to see him. Well, he was a player. I'm sorry, was he a player in '17? I think that was his final year. Uh, yeah, I thought he was. A oh, okay. Well, then leading back then that that's why I was trying to hold I was trying to uh, make sure I, I didn't conflate the two but 
I think that that was the main reason why I wanted to hold off. I was very much happy for him to finally get his ring, knowing how much of a grinder and how much of a baller he was literally, you know, a second previous to, to all that craziness coming out. So I think that's the main reason why I'm abstaining at least this year, but uh, for 24, especially as a first year, like if this was the second year, I think I could get over it. But like I said, as far as, Oh yeah. First round shoe in boom. Like uh, it's just, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little on my soapbox and a little holier than thou, and, you know, like, you know, doing the whole, yeah. Oh, but, um, yeah, just, uh, just the spectacles wallet and watch on, you know, just, just at least for this year. So for next year, obviously my, my vote, uh, will be a little bit different, but this year, yeah, I just couldn't. So, uh, I'm sorry, but please continue. Uh, the fourth slot, I had Gary Sheffield. Mm-hmm. Uh, for five, uh, Johnny Peralta. Um, for number six, Andy Pettit. Seven, Andrew Jones. Eight, John Lackey. Nine, Manny Ramirez. Ten, Mark Bueller. Okay. Solid list. Or uh, uh, Burley? I never know how to pronounce that. Yeah. Yeah, you had it right that time. Yeah, Burley. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had 10 votes. That's where they would go. Yeah. And I would, like I said, for myself, I did a solid seven for sure. Uh, I ended up putting three anyway, just because it's like, well, they may not be first year in my opinion, but at least as far as doing, I mean, obviously you don't have to do 10, you could do zero, you could do one, as we're going to see if you guys follow the tracker. Um, But, you know, I figured, okay, I'll do my due diligence. If I'm doing 10, I'm going to go 10. Um, Okay, so I guess I'll just do Tyler's. Uh, As far as his left, the left side completely blank, he went Todd Helton, Tori Hunter, Andrew Jones, Andy Pettit, uh, Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, Francisco Rodriguez, Scott Rowland, Jimmy Rollins, and Omar Visquel. So I believe for the most part, we're gonna be all agreeing on Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, and Manny. Uh, yeah, I think across the board, so. Well, I mean, I like that Tyler put uh, Roland and Rollins on his list because those were two names that I was really wrestling with. I yeah. couldn't find where to put him in my 10, and I'm glad he made places for him. Yeah. I didn't vote Roland, Roland but I voted Rollins. So uh, it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, I was kind of back and forth because it was like, well, there's some names like uh, – I wanted to put in Peralta as well or uh, put Andy Pettit, but I'm like, mm. and it wasn't necessarily like the play that I was trying to debate. It was more just, okay. Like, I know obviously this is going to keep going. This isn't their final year. So it's not like I'm pressed for time. It's more just, okay, well with this set group, okay, what can I, what can I get away with? So yeah, I think just across the, uh, across the board, there's a couple of names where it was just, like I said, like I, I I can afford to go another year. I mean, but uh, yeah. So I guess I'll just get into mine then. With that being said, so I'm gonna make sure to save yours. And like I said, people will will have all three up. So feel free to take a look and 
tell us how idiotic we are and <laughs> why why I'm wrong and how I don't know ball and whatever else. That's fine. You know, it's all subjective. It's all for funsies. Right. So for mine, I have obviously like I said, I, I abstained from Beltran this year, but I went uh I went Burley, I went Matt Kane, and I went Andre Ethier. Now I'm gonna explain that real quick. Like obviously he's first first year, but the main reason I just put him down. Uh, I guess I'll just say personal reasons. Like I wanted him to get a ring with the Dodgers for so long. And he was that dude in that organization for the longest. So I like, I'll just throw that out, you know, before everybody's like, what? He's a first year, this, that, like, Hey, this, that's personal. It's all for fun. But I just, uh, at the very least, I know I don't expect him not to get in the hall, but I had to throw it out there as far as, you know, just for this year. Um, because, uh, yeah, because it's my vote, <laughs> for lack of a better, you know, any other necessary explanation. But uh, continuing on, I have Todd Helton, I have Tory Hunter, I have Andrew Jones, Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, Jimmy Rollins, and Gary Sheffield. So I'm surprised. Oh, no, I believe, I believe Tyro did, did put down Sheffield, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, he didn't. He was talking about it, and I'm surprised he didn't. So I'm the only one thrown out thrown out a vote. Or did you? Did you say you did Sheffield? Yeah, yeah, Sheffield, done. I'm surprised we didn't do unanimous, but I wouldn't blame. I also wouldn't blame you guys if you didn't. Like I said, it's it's a pretty mixed bag. A lot of good names. Uh, there's no real wrong vote. You know, there's definitely enough, enough for... Uh, somebody to make a case for or against so uh, no, but i mean the consensus that all three of us voted helton jones and ramirez mm -hmm. i think speaks to the fact that those three are probably names that we'll see either inducted this year or next yeah they should I, I feel like uh especially the helton vote not i mean say what you will whether or not he's worthy of first rounder but the fact that he kind of held up that Rockies lineup in I mean even if you want to say these are the abysmal years but you got to think the even more abysmal years prior to obviously Chris Bryant Nolan Arenado you know prior to all these other you know marquee names coming yeah. in generation he held up the last generation for years and people don't understand just how rough holding up that rock like I remember going to Coors Field, watching Cubs Rockies, and of course, you know, Sammy Sosa turned it into a freaking damn Homer Dome. But the fact that he did the work to keep that organization relevant—I don't really recall how many times they made the playoffs or if they did at all—but they were playing above 500, barely above 500 ball because of him. Mm -hmm. You know yep. he's elected too, so you know at least as far as Rocky's royalty is concerned, he's there. So, uh, not saying that there's been snubs in the past as far as not getting him into the hall, but he's definitely a name where I would, obviously, even with me, uh, being a division rival, I can I can easily, easily recognize the uh, the deservingness. You know, even though that's not really a an English word, but you know, I can, I can easily recognize, yeah, that dude needs to be in there. So that's, I should I think be your personal pick of Andre Ethier. Mm -hmm. 
That was a great I think, you know, and people, of course, get a young gripe about it being a first-rounder. But you're right in the fact that he was kind of Mr. Dodger for a little skin to time. Early, early Clayton Kershaw days when, dude, I remember back in the barracks and stuff, uh, what was it? What year was it? Was it 12? No, because we were in the sandbox then. It might have been 10 or 11 or whatever. But this was back when, when Kershaw was still baby Kershaw. He was nowhere near the ace. And they had freaking Chad Billingsley, that workhorse. I was using Billingsley like a freaking menace, man. And Andre Ethier, Matt Kemp, like, I'm talking about those days. They had, um, how am I freaking, uh, Rafael for call? Like, I'm talking about some old, some, like, late 2000s, early 2010s, like, that grinded up ball, man. Obviously, getting heartbroken with San Francisco winning those three titles, you know. But they were there. Like, that was that that squad where, you know, they were good enough, but he was he was that that dude. So, yeah, it's just more, like you said, yeah, that personal memory of just knowing that that was that dude holding up the rest of that that great already great lineup i mean you talk about eric gagne too freaking lights out game over when he came out i remember going to a couple of those games and dude think about old dodger stadium man i got hype obviously pre-stabbings and all that but <laughs> obviously before all that but, but no man it's it's uh definitely personal so again going back to that todd helton thing yeah i can obviously see why why somebody would uh would be mad for him not making it in so um yeah i don't got much else like i said we'll be putting that stuff up pretty soon is there uh any other save rounds you got um i mean one piece of news i saw this week was detroit trying to make their park a little more hitter friendly mm-hmm. a couple so dimension changes yeah they brought center field wall in 10 feet so it's officially 412 and it used to be an eight and a half height mm-hmm. now the seven um the they're saying that uh they want to reward hitters for putting the ball into the deepest parts of the park that makes sense dead center that makes sense Detroit only had 110 home runs last year. I think they'll probably benefit from it. Uh, but what I think is really interesting, and I did a little bit of digging, was the average home run distance was only 428 feet hmm. a season. So the average home run easily clears center field in Detroit now. Yeah. So you think we're about to see a – a mini course field coming out of maybe, I mean, maybe not to that extent. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, but like, I think benefit a homer don't, you know, I think hitters are going to start shining in Detroit mm-hmm. in ways that hitters who have shown in the past worked a lot harder. Yeah, especially you got, I mean, those are always heartbreaking, those, those long balls that just end up being doubles because it just, plinks a foot or two just below the line like yeah and that i mean that's just i'm talking about across the league it's always hurtful because you know you love a you love a good long ball like who doesn't so to see that just kind of get put flat faced before it even gets to leave the park like oh yeah that that's heartbreaking so 
I could see that. I'm sure that they did the statistics. And like you said, they, they deep dove into the data as far as average and what they wanted to do to try and maximize, even if it is, I mean, hopefully not too much for the opposing, you know, any opposing club that comes in, but just that it kind of averages out more in their favor. And that's the biggest concern when you make adjustments to your house, right? Is like, I don't want to hand the other guy. Yeah, the, all the advantage. <laughs> you know, just because now you come in with road momentum, knowing that you can shellack away. Like, I just imagine the Phillies going there and letting Harper just bloop, bloop. Just knock them, knock them away. No, absolutely. Actually, you know what? I have, and I know we never got into it, but this kind of reminds me, and I'll go over it quick while we have a couple minutes. Uh, I told you before, there's that park factor uh, regarding, let's see, the amount of influence like a particular park could have on home runs and stuff. Yes. So, uh, and I have this data from 2019 to 21. So we basically have been saving this since like mid 22, I think is when I finally saw this. But I'll just give you the top 15. Um, you can look at this up also at Baseball Savant for anybody who's, who's interested. So it basically goes course filled, and I'm believing, believing the average is about 100. So this is on a scale, obviously, 0 to 100, but course filled with 114, Fenway with 107, uh, the Reds, Great American Ballpark with 106, uh, Camden Yards at 105, Nationals Park 104, Citizens Bank for Phillies at 103, Truist Park for the Braves at 103 as well, Angel Stadium for 102, uh, Chase Field. 101 Kauffman Stadium for the Royals at 101 Progressive Field for the Indians at 101 Minute Maid Park obviously for the Astros at 100 uh, Guaranteed Rate Field for the White Sox at 100 Brewers American Family Field at 99 PNC Park for the Pirates at 99 um, so that's top 15 as far as most influential like it looks like and obviously I'm not going to go go numbers but basically it goes uh, Dodgers Yankee Stadium, Target Field, City Field, Comerica for Tigers. So that's at 98, just mind you. So they're barely cracking top 20. So maybe this could increase their their standing. They could crack top 15 at the very least if they're really thinking. And obviously it's 2019 to 21. So you have technically three years with the data. Uh, Ridley Field is 21. Rogers Center, uh, Lone Depot for the Marlins at 23. Petco's 24. Oracle's 25. Tropicana, T-Mobile for the Mariners, Bush Stadium, and the uh, the Oakland Coliseum, the 29. I know I'm missing one, so I don't know why. I don't know why it only has 20, 29 teams. I don't have time to look for the 30th, but you can you can do the math, quick maths for that. Still, I'm just, you know, that top 15, you know, those aren't, you know, outside of cores, I wouldn't picture Fenway being so high. I guess that's just the perception that the green monster has. Yeah, I think not a lot of people are hitting it dead left either. Not too many people are going to be trying to clear that monster. You got to think a lot of right-handed hitters, a lot of right. So, I mean, say if you flip the dimensions, would they be barely cracking 20, 25? Would they be even top 15? I mean, but it kind of goes to show you that, yes, that core's effect is real. But at the same time, there's a lot of other parks that could potentially throw their, their hat in the mix, at least as far as being somewhat comparable. So I thought that that was interesting too, uh, regarding uh, dimension dimensions. Um, I have one last thing before we go. I did see the top five highest payrolls for 2023. 
with the Mets at two two eight. I'm sorry, two ninety eight million. Yeah, two hundred ninety eight million. Yankees with two thirty one. Phillies at two hundred four. Uh, Padres with one eighty seven and Braves with one sixty eight. Now, that just leads me to think that obviously these are the most the teams that kind of made the biggest splashes. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily this is going to be the top five power ranking or you know a mixture of the five for the foreseeable future, but uh, it kind of goes to show that hey, money does kind of equal somewhat success, does kind of put you in a better competitive position. So, I'm looking forward to how that correlates as far as the money spent compared to their actual success. It'll be really interesting to see if all of this money spent is going to be the game changer. Like we've said in the past, all of what this money represents has to be duplicated in silverware, right? You don't bring home the commissioner's trophy. You could have spent 400 million. Yeah. It'll be all for naught. Time will tell. Okay. Well, look forward to seeing you guys for episode 31. Appreciate you guys as always. And until then, stay tuned, dirtbags. Thank you.